Hello, you're listening to Speaking of Law Firm Leadership. I'm Ken Landis, Vice President and Senior Loss Prevention Counsel at Alas. This is our second episode in a special series we call Notes to My Younger Self. In this series, we ask several Alas firm leaders what advice they would have given to their younger selves to help them better manage their firms when they first stepped into a leadership role. With me today is Betty Temple. Betty is the Chair and Chief Executive Officer of Womble Bond Dickinson in the United States. As co-chair of the board of a transatlantic law firm, she has helped expand Womble's reach into serving clients internationally. Betty has been at Womble for 33 years, and she has served in her current role as Chair and CEO for six years. As a practicing corporate and securities lawyer, Betty continues to have trust placed in her by the middle market, Fortune 500, and global companies that she has helped thrive and grow. Welcome, Betty. Glad to have you with us. Thanks, Ken. Glad to be here. Last firm leaders come into their roles in a variety of different ways. Betty, can you tell us about your journey through firm leadership? Absolutely. As you indicate, I've been at the firm for 33 years, which is my entire career as an attorney. I've had tremendous support and opportunities at Womble, and that really defines my leadership journey. I started off in Atlanta, Georgia, in the Corporate and Securities Group, became a partner focusing primarily as a public securities attorney, was fortunate enough to be able to work with practice group leaders and others on our firm's strategic plan. I was elected to our firm management committee and last two most recent strategic plans for the firm, and then was asked to participate in the nation process for the next firm chair and CEO. Uh, I was actually not campaigning or looking for the job, but I was fortunate enough to be asked to do it. And I looked at it as a wonderful opportunity to continue to serve clients and serve the firm, serve our partners and, and the whole entire firm. And so it was an opportunity that I felt very prepared for and something I was very excited about. Now I got to ask you the big question of the day. Based on what you know now, what do you wish you had known when you first stepped into your current leadership role? Well, I'm sure this is a topic that is top of mind for other Alas chairs and managing partners. Currently, the, just the top of mind issues are the war for talent, how difficult it really is to recruit and retain highly qualified people. So in preparing for this podcast, it really got me thinking more deeply about this issue because it's not going away. And with that in mind, I wish I could have told my younger self five things. First of all, so much of the time, unfortunately, as a leader of a law firm, you find yourself reacting and in triage mode, not leading. So that is particularly true in the current environment with the war on talent. With that in mind, I also look at the way we have attacked this uh, issue for talent retention and recruitment. And what we've learned is that throwing money at a problem such as talent is usually not the answer. And so I wish that I could have earlier created better incentive systems to retain and, and recruit our top talent rather than just paying more money. Firms also need to consider rebranding. Let's face it, big law, law firms in general really don't have the kind of brand cachet that they used to have to top talent. Big laws looked as a stopover before talent finds their dream job or their career job instead of being their dream job as it was when I first started the practice of law. 
Another thing is not everyone can lead. I think a lot of times we're all look at our partners and think, well, everyone made partner. They should be able to lead. But the reality is not every partner or every attorney or any other leader in a firm is actually a good leader. They may not even be a good mentor. But one thing I have learned is that everyone can contribute to the culture of a law firm and make a difference uh, with respect to talent recruitment and retention. And last but not least, firms need to do a better job of finding the right people. The way we have historically gone about recruiting really just isn't working. We need to look for the people that really want to have a career at a law firm, that want to continue to grow and flourish in a law firm environment. And we have to figure out ways to identify them earlier than we have been. Well, these are all really I think really good points. They require us to dig deeper because I, I, I'd i really like to hear your thoughts on some of them. Let's get into some more details related to your first point about how reacting is not really leading a lot of the time. I'd like you to maybe explain that a little more. Well, unfortunately, we find ourselves, and particularly in this environment now, where we are reacting, reacting to changes in marketplace dynamics, economics competitive pressures, and we find ourselves listening to others that say you need to react, you need to raise entry-level associate salaries, you need to do X, Y, and Z with respect to talent. But when we do that and when we're driven by that reaction rather than just really looking at the big picture and stepping back and and, um, responding in a more measured way, we tend to make decisions that we that we regret later on. And it also sort of reinforces the other points that I made about big law and the attractiveness to talent, because it really is becomes a play on reaction instead of really thinking through strategically how to build a sustainable and desirable place for top talent to come and have a career. So I do think that to the extent we can take a more measured approach really step back, look at each firm. So each firm has different strengths, uh, different culture, different things that offers um, candidates. If we can do that and think about how to present our firm in a more proactive way, in a way that is attractive, instead of just reacting to market pressures, I think we're going to do a lot better with respect to the war for talent. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I've, I've read a lot of articles recently where Younger lawyers are really looking to firms and expecting more of a proactive, a more socially conscious, a firm that's, that's got focus on direct objectives as opposed to just, you know, we're a big firm, come here and work for us. And some of the things you raise, they create loss prevention risks. When you talk about our firm's rapid hiring, if they're not doing it and still conducting careful due diligence, or they're simply overpaying for talent, some of that may end up meaning that our firms are hiring unqualified people or even people that feel immediate pressure to produce. Both those scenarios can create very serious claims, as we've seen in our history at Alas. So it is also a loss prevention risk if you're not more focused and measured when you're thinking about bringing in talent. So let's move on to your second point, having money being your primary incentive to promote your strategies. Well, and that's sort of the, uh, the issue of the day is, is associate comp. If you really think about it and you see so many firms having to, re- feeling like they need to respond by throwing money at it, which does create what you just mentioned, that incentive 
both at the attorney level and at the at the supervisor level to make sure that those attorneys are very productive and that can create loss prevention risk, as you suggested. What I found is that top talent really want to feel like they have a purpose, that they're they are doing something that makes a difference um, at at a law firm or wherever they are, but focusing on law firms right now, at a law firm that really has an impact beyond uh, profits per partner. And so to stay competitive, it's not going to, you're going to have to pay people well. They're going to have to feel like they're getting paid for the time, you know, the blood, sweat and tears. You know, the, the law is a, is a, is a hard profession. They take out student loans. They go into debt to have this career. And so they, they need to be, be paid fairly. And I think that's a given, but there's a, a gap between that payment and the things that really mean something as far as having a long-term career. And so we need to find out what those triggers are and what those aspirations are that we can capture at a law firm, that purpose that will keep people at our firm and where they want to practice, where they want to have a career and not just a job. Part of that is creating a work environment that supports this goal. And it's not just about production, about the billable hour, about the revenue, about billable rates. And when law firms, it's all you talk about is production and billable hours, then it really, um, you know, it sort of feeds the beast. But so creating a differentiated work environment is something that we're really trying to do. And again, that's going back to the first one about being more proactive, really stopping thinking, what do we need to do? How can we create a place that provides opportunity, development and purpose? It's, it's very interesting. And it, it, I think it, again, dovetails into the next point that you made, the idea that law firms have allowed themselves to be labeled or viewed now as a stopover job for a young lawyer uh, before they move on to a fulfilling career. I agree with you. When I started, the goal was to work at a top law firm, but I'm interested in your take on that. Now, I agree for me as well. And to become a partner in a top law firm was the end all be all of the career. I think things have really changed. I think big law has gotten a bad brand out there. And I think, again, the economics, the billable hours, the revenue, the the way we measure success through money and profits um, is off-putting to talent these days. It's just there's a lot of cynicism out there as far as having a rewarding, fulfilling career and having any purpose in a partnership that is driven by profits per partner, revenue per lawyer, everything that's driven, everything that's measured, your grade is based on money. And I think that's given all the big, the big law firms a bad brand and something you almost have to counteract if you want someone to stay at your firm and look at it as a career. As a result, we're missing, you know, out on great talent that could be leaders in our firm. The next generation, there's going to be a very big hole because we don't have people coming and staying at law firms who don't desire to be partners. And so we've got some rebranding to do to really change the direction of that. And I think it's going to take, again, it goes all back to really stepping back, looking at each firm, what's what's really important, what's a strength, what's something that you can offer and providing something that's a bit differentiated than just the money to talent. When we were preparing for this uh, podcast, I noted and wrote down one of the points you made that part of this is also getting a, a young lawyers to think differently. You use the idea of a 
person that works at a Starbucks can pour coffee or they can think about what the customer really needs and desires. And you need to start working with young lawyers to change their mindset about what they're doing. On the revenue side and the billable hours, that I think the young associates focuses on the billable hours and making sure they get their work in and done instead of really how they can make a difference for the client, how they can help that business succeed. And again, you know, businesses are people. And so when you help your clients succeed, you're really helping with the success and livelihood of people and communities. And it's a really, it it is a, a purpose, a worthy purpose. But if all you're focusing on just the Starbucks on pouring the coffee, then you really miss out on the customer experience, which really is the fulfilling, purposeful career path that really most people want, not just talent, young talent, really everyone wants. And it's something, frankly, that I felt like we had. I felt like even though the times were different, I mean, I always felt like I was making a difference in my uh, career in big law, but somewhere along the way, we've lost that. And we've, like I said, we've got a bad brand. Uh, Young talent don't really believe that. And I, I think we've got work to do um, to get back to that thought process. Yeah. And I think your point that the senior lawyers feel it, that they, they know they're making a difference is, is a really important one, but young lawyers, some of them are going to have to learn it. They're, they, 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 they don't they don't know it. It's not intuitive to everybody. And I think that requires mentoring, which leads to the next point is that not everybody can mentor lawyers. Maybe you can expand a little bit on your idea that if you can't mentor, you can still be a good firm citizen. Mentoring really is key for the young talent to see that there really is a career at a law firm and that it's purposeful and you can make a difference. And frankly, it's pretty interesting and exciting. And again, you have to flip that constant pressure for the economics and make sure that um, talent has opportunity to see the other roles. And that really requires a mentor. One of the things I've learned is that not everyone in the law firm, and I mentioned this, of course, at the beginning, is really a great mentor or even wants to be a mentor. But one thing that everybody can do is be kind and walking down the hall, speaking to talent associates, other partners, going to lunch, enjoying time together speaks volumes to talent, that it's not just all about about the money or the billable hours. It's really there's something more there. And that is sort of, again, sort of accidental mentoring because it shows talent that people enjoy their careers at the firm. They enjoy being with other people. So even if they don't have the natural inclination to sit down and explain something or take someone to a client experience, even that um, in a way is really makes a difference. And what it does is create a culture within a firm. And as you create a real positive culture that makes people want to stay and have a career, they see an opportunity. So I think there's a place that the firm for really for everyone, even if they're not talented at leadership or mentoring. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about uh, how you tried to mentor and train motivated lawyers who want to develop, who want to stay at a law firm. What I look for in attorneys, particularly younger attorneys, whether they're associates or junior partners, are attorneys that really have a natural curiosity 
about the client's business. And those attorneys that have that curiosity, one way that I mentor personally is I try to feed that curiosity, that business curiosity about the business. And I look for ways for them to learn not just about how to draft a document or what provisions should be in a securities filing, but to really find ways for them to learn the company's business. And we've done all kinds of interesting things like, you know, secondments that are not about doing legal work, but, you know, two weeks at the clients just to learn their business, not to do legal work, not to bill hours, but to go and and work with the clients, work with the C-suite, work with the general counsel's office, work with the business units, whatever the opportunity, depending on the client to really understand the business and then come back and really use that education to help train the team and provide sort of that context and insight so that the work that we do for that client really can be exceptional because it's not just legal work at that point. It's really legal work with that that business knowledge. And so I think that is something that I always look for somebody who's sincerely interested about that because I think they're going to be very successful as lawyers. We've all heard this term used before, uh, the the apprenticeship model, that law firms used to have an apprenticeship model. Any other thoughts on how you can try to get that back to as close as we can to the way it used to be going forward? We actually have this idea in our new strategic plan that we believe we need to get back to that model. And it may mean you have fewer on-track associates, but it's a model where you provide not only professional development, I think law firms do a really good jobs at professional development programs generally, particularly big law firms because they have the resources, but you couple that professional development with real opportunity. A lot of it may even be off the clock. It's that learning that you receive when you see others in action who are highly successful. One of the examples I just said about the second, but it's also the opportunity off the clock to attend um, client events, work on things without the pressure to constantly just be billing hours to actually observe, learn, learn how to, how to respond to client inquiries, learn how to, to present at a boardroom, learn how to what's appropriate to speak with at a client, what's not, learn how to understand their business in a way that is different. And I think that model, um, so professional development meets opportunity really creates that apprenticeship model. It means maybe that the emphasis is less on extraordinary billable hours and more on learning, growing, developing, and then taking that and using that opportunity to really help our clients succeed and be that true, true trusted advisor. It just provides that business overlay that I think clients desperately want to help them solve their problems. A lot of times they're they're not even necessarily completely legal problems. They're just legal mixed in with business. I mean, frankly, every problem for a client is a business problem, even if it's a legal problem. So it's just changing that perspective. And I think that's what's going to save the profession, frankly, if we can get back to that model. It's challenging right now because of the war for talent and the salary wars and the pay scales really work against that. But I think think that we're going to have to find a way to get there. And I know our firm certainly 
trying to find that that path for sure. Yeah, and we haven't even begun to touch on the issues of uh, remote work. And I don't know if you have any sort of closing thoughts or great ideas on how you're going to confront that issue. I think we're in a whole different world of work as far as the as far as the legal legal industry is concerned. And I think we're going to have to be flexible about that. There's there's no doubt that requiring every single person to come into the office five days a week is just not going to work in this legal environment right now, in this competitive environment. But I do think we have to get together intentionally. We have to be together to develop the bonds, the relationships, to have that model. But just being in the office isn't really the answer. It's being together intentionally with a plan to work together. And so we're going to have to focus on that and be intentional. If we're going to work, you know, on a deal in a conference room, then we need to all be here in the conference room, but we don't need to all be here Monday through Friday with the doors closed while we, we do our work by ourselves. And so we're just going to have to make, make the effort to be a little bit more nuanced in how we work work together, and then give talent the flexibility that they've kind of become accustomed to, to work at home or, or work in, you know, different locations, which is something, frankly, we've always done at our firm. We've always had that opportunity, but the pandemic just made more, made more people interested in that alternative. I like your idea about being intentional. We've had to become more intentional about how we meet and mentor and supervise. So, all really interesting stuff. We are out of time, but it's been fascinating. And I want to thank you again, Betty, uh, for talking with me today. Well, thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. Until next time, this has been Speaking of Law Firm Leadership. Thank you for listening. This podcast is provided for educational purposes to assist lawyers in avoiding ethics violations, malpractice suits, other professional liability claims, and management liability claims. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. The recommendations contained in this podcast are not necessarily appropriate for every lawyer or law firm. In determining the best course of action, lawyers should consider the applicable legal authorities and all relevant facts and circumstances. Copyright 2022 by Attorneys Liability Assurance Society. All rights reserved.